Hey guys, Eric here from Tales from the Cartridge. Just wanted to say really quick that this episode involves some heavy and difficult discussions, so if that's something that you don't want to listen to right now, we totally understand. But if you are, then without further ado, enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. And welcome to a spooky episode. Ooh. Are you freaked out yet? I'm so scared. <laughs> Are you shaking in your boots? Eric, I'm so scared. <laughs> Ryan, how the heck are you and what the heck have you been playing? <laughs> I am good. Uh, terrified skeletons in the room around me. The lights are all off. The, it's it's like I think four in the afternoon, still pitch black outside, just darkness <laughs> and evil has filled the world around me. Um, but I'm good. I'm doing great. Um, what I've been playing, I didn't play a lot this week. I had a really busy week. Just still plugging through some Hades. Finally got to Hades himself. Haven't mm-hmm. quite bested him yet. Um, I did some Animal Crossing redecorating. They announced the new update that I'm really excited about. So oh. I wanted to. Make some space for the pumpkin patch. Um, so I did, did some of that. Um, there's a game I saw on YouTube that I'm excited to check out called Terra Nil, where you like have this like vast, uh, barren wasteland, and you have to like terraform it to like make it be. It's like super pixelated. It looks super fun. It's like dirt cheap on itch.io, um, and it's like really crunchy and and like managementy and my kind of game. So I'm excited to try that out. But I haven't haven't played much this week. It was a busy week. What about you? How are you, and what have you been doing? <laughs> oh, God, Ryan. <laughs> You're freaking me out. I'm good. I am good. Uh, we went out for coffees yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing the same as usual, Hades and uh, Animal Crossing. Super excited for that update. I, uh, I'm kind of finally getting our island to where I want to be for Fall Like, and now I'm ready to just throw it out the window again and start with Halloween. So I'm really excited to, <laughs> to go into that. It's always fun. Uh, we started with our friend group. We were playing Among Us last night. That oh, was yeah, blast. that's right. I didn't even mention that. So much fun. And I forgot last week to even mention that I, I've been playing the Mario 3D All-Stars game with Mario 64, and I have like 60 stars right now. I think I'm halfway there. I want to get all... I think it's one. I think it's 120 stars that are in the game itself. I, I can't remember, but I just want to go for it. I really want to go get find Yoshi on top of... Uh, the castle spoilers if you haven't gotten there in the like what close to 30 years it's been out <laughs> yeah um but then we move on to mario sunshine which i'm super excited for i know a lot of people are either really happy with mario 3d all-stars or really upset by it um i'm having a great time so i'm very excited to uh move on and actually it's funny because i know galaxy mario galaxy is a, like a really popular one and that's probably my least i'm least excited to play that one. Oh, interesting uh, which is probably yeah blasphemous for a lot of people but uh i have no regrets i'm not a coward so <laughs> for saying that <laughs> but as always storygoers if you would like to give your perspectives on the stories we cover you can email us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us, let us know what you think. Uh, and I want to give a really special shout out to a person that I've been working with to do our introduction music. They did our introduction music for our original introduction that we always use, as well as the spooky one that we have just used for, and we'll be using for the rest of this month. And that person is W. Kitchener. So it's W-K-I-T-C-H-E-N-E-R. 
and they're on Fiverr. Super cool. Uh, amazingly good at making music. So if you need any music help in that regard, I highly suggest them. Reach out. Uh, super cool to talk to. I like them a lot. So uh, yeah, so that, again, it's W. Kitchener on Fiverr. If you need any music help, go to them. They are fantastic. But yeah, but without further ado, Ryan, would you like to introduce our, the game that we are covering today? Yeah, our first game of our spooktacular is Soma. Um, I am not a super jump-scary horror game person. Um, I was kind of nervous going into this, but this game is, like, terrifying in a way that I'm super interested in and is, is, is super interesting with how it kind of is psychologically really terrifying and, like, really asks a lot of questions about what does it mean to be human in some interesting ways, and there's some cool moral questions. It's really good. It's really spooky. Um, it was it was a really fun one to check out. It was released in 2015 by Frictional Games, published by Frictional Games, and is written by, I'm going to try my best to say this name, uh, Mikkel Hedberg over at Frictional mm. Games. Um, these are the guys who made Amnesia the Dark Descent, and they made another game that I wish I could remember the name of, but I think it was in like a hospital. Um, so like really uh. good classic horror crew this game has the same veins as those games where you have no weapons you have no way to defend yourself in this game you are just Uh trying your best not to be seen not to be found and make your way through this really interesting story and they really lean into that kind of psychological horror piece whereas somebody who's not super into horror games check this out the atmosphere is terrifying but the game (laughs) itself is is less scary and it kind of engages with you in some interesting ways so so definitely check it out but yeah it's great and i think you have some 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 influences background stuff yeah definitely so for the game for soma the atmosphere of the game was heavily influenced by the science fictional works of philip k dick uh i'm gonna pronounce these names probably super wrong and i apologize uh china mayville i hope that's right and greg egan i've never had any experiences with that because i'm not the, the best reader in the world but uh, i guess their works are pretty Pretty good because they you know, influenced this game. Uh, the setting of the game takes place at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And it actually is the idea from one of the co-founders of Frictional Games, Thomas Grip and Jen Nilsson. And this idea for the to being at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean was based on a whim. And it's something that they've always wanted to try for for a long time. So I thought that was really interesting. Can you imagine like basing the, the setting of your game on a whim? Like yeah. That's, that's yeah. crazy to me. I thought that's such a huge decision. So rather than focusing on getting information from audio logs and notes throughout the world, kind of like in a Bioshocky way, um, it was more uh, the information of the world was based more on the player's actions and served as a guide in that manner. So that way, every kind of player could follow along with the plot easy rather than having to collect information through different sources. And lastly, Soma's underlying theme is consciousness. And it was kind of developed in order to explore the nature of free will and self and what that means as to be a person. You said it's a very kind of like what it means to be human in this yeah. game. So that makes a lot of sense when you say that. Yeah, it explores a lot. And some really interesting ways that I think are engaging as humans now, but engaging also in thinking about like the future of humans. And this game kind of plays in that world a little bit. And just thinking about the world around us and computers in an interesting way, which we'll see right away. It asks a lot of big questions and it it doesn't really give any clear answers. It allows the player to kind of play in that space and to think about that space. And it's really interesting. And I think that's where some of that horror comes from is like, who are we? What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be not alive? And in some really interesting ways. That's really cool. I feel like a lot of times that narrative is kind of more found in like robotic AI games. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm curious if that's kind of, I've had little experiences so much, so I'm very curious if that kind of plays a part of it. Yeah, and I mean, of those science fiction writers, the one I know of is Philip K. Dick, and I he, um, like, Blade Runner was him. So, like, he, he oh, you know, he okay. plays in that space a lot of thinking about robots. Minority Report was him, and a bunch of other really famous, um, like, iRobot was a movie based on one of his short stories. So he plays in this oh, AI right. robot space a lot. So, so I can, he's, I, I, again, I, I'm, unfortunately I'm not familiar with the other two works, but Philip K. Dick, I can certainly see his influence here a lot. That's really cool. I didn't know he was the author of Blade Runner. I should, I really, I really like Blade Runner, so I should probably know that. Yeah. Yeah. But Ryan, in terms of your memories for Soma, do you have any kind of background with it? None, none at all. So I didn't even know it was a game that came out, to be honest, like, (laughs) <laughs> I I was watching YouTube during the time Amnesia was big. So, like, I, I have some experience with that part of YouTube way, way back in the day, like, years and years and years ago. And that that's my only really um, influence or, or memory with frictional games. But I didn't even know Soma existed. And it wasn't until we talked about doing a spooky month. I, and like I said, I'm not really into horror, really, really terrifying horror games that I started looking in. And I saw all over the place, Soma, 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 it it's just so deep and interesting and asks like really big questions that I'm really interested in. So yeah, I have no memories. What about you? Yeah. So I have only ever heard of Soma. I literally have no experience with the game at all. Like you, I struggle with horror spooky games, though there are many, not many, but there are a few that I really, truly love. With Soma, I never got into it. I didn't know really, I don't even know a whole lot about it. I know a lot about uh, amnesia only because i used to be uh like a big pewdiepie fan when he was like really small so when he was playing that all the time and i kind of found him on youtube i was watching a lot of those um let's plays from him but i never played it myself and then i never really like cared enough to want to learn more about it if that makes sense yeah so uh, i'm very curious based on the story of so much that it gripped me because i felt like with amnesia if I remember correctly, there was there was a lot of like notes left on desks that you, that kind of like gave you information on kind of what was going around or going on in the game itself. So it sounds like that's the complete opposite of Soma. So I'm very curious how that kind of works with the story and and how the, if the story's gonna grip me and, and kind of want to make me play Soma itself. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, and and those things are still there certainly, but it's paired with this really good writing and 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 really only there's only really two characters these two really well-written characters who kind of drive a lot of this narrative and there's other characters out there but there's only really two you're engaging with but you'll see it's it's wonderful and um i hope it engages you and grips you in the same way it kind of even though i'm not a spooky person caught me in a really really big way i'm super excited it's it's, fun, it's funny because i was looking at the game a little bit and it's, it looks so different than amnesia yeah it is that it, or, it already makes you feel like i want to jump into it and and really pay attention to the story because like this it, uh, just the way amnesia looked to me and the way it was it, everything about it just did not jive with me but it's looking at soma and just kind of talking about the story already and the the influences behind it it makes me super interested so uh, i'm very excited for you to read this yeah let's 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 jump right in simon is jolted awake from a nightmare by the sound of his vibrating phone another one with her could hear her voice again but it was before during and after the accident all at once all jumbled together Simon answers his phone. It's David Munchie, the scientist who's going to do Simon's brain scan, one who believes he can help Simon to fix Simon, to help him recover from the accident. He is reminding Simon to drink the tracer fluid before his brain scans so they can get a clear image. I'll see you soon, he says, and hangs up. Simon searches his messy apartment for the fluid. He drinks it, gets dressed, and heads into town on the subway. 
He makes his way into a strangely empty office where he finds and meets Mr. Munchie, the soon-to-be doctor, standing in a poorly lit room with servers and computers on the wall. In the center of the room is a chair with a mechanical screen that lowers over the patient's head. Mr. Munchie greets Simon and tells him how his work is to help with brain reconstruction. Simon sits down and the machine whirs to life. As the screen covers Simon's face, he sees the room around him but projected on the screen. Will this hurt? Simon asks. It's just a scan. It will hurt as much as getting your picture taken. Indians thought cameras would see their souls, Selwyn replies. Is that so? Well, let's hope they're wrong. Ready? Say cheese. Simon's vision blurs and fades. A flash of white light is followed by pitch darkness. Simon calls out, What happened? Hello? Mr. Munchie? Did something go wrong? But there's no answer. Simon is no longer in Mr. Munchie's office. Still in the chair, he is in an unfamiliar place. A dark place. Far from Mr. Munchie's office and far from home. There's our kind of, like, cold intro, warm intro, just kind of throws you in. There's um, there's a little bit of stuff I, I cut out where you're, like, walking around your apartment and grabbing things and picking things up. It's the type of game where you can interact with everything in the world around you, but, yeah, that's that's kind of where we just jump in. Hmm. So, again, I have no background on Selma at all. Yeah. So I'm curious if, like, uh, my first thought is, like, uh, him waking up in this new place, is this part of him reconstructing his brain or his brain being reconstructed or whatever that may be so maybe he really is still in the office but to him he's in this whole new place that maybe it's like a memory or something but it's my first thought i'm very invested already i love things like this when it kind of just throws you in the deep end and now you gotta figure out what to do yeah um so yeah simon stumbles around the dark room the only light a faint red light on the wall simon moves towards it and flips the switch the fluorescent lights through the broken window come to life the light shining into the room, illuminating the chamber. An Omnitool service console and empty diving suits line the wall. He approaches the console. The screen reads, Insert Omnitool to access. Trapped in this room, he grabs a nearby metal container off the ground, throws it at the window. Shuddering grass echoes through the creaking chamber. Simon jumps through the window and locks the door to the tech depot where he awoke. The sound of running water and whirring machines fills the hallway as Simon explores this strange place. He enters a room. He hears static. His vision blurs. He approaches a large mass of metal and machinery on the wall. As he approaches, it shifts and moves. Simon Hart races as he stumbles into an adjacent chamber. Disabled robots line the walls. As he approaches, his vision blurs again, and he hears a voice. Hey, you. Can you talk? Can you talk like the other? Why are you like this? You want some structure gel, yeah? You do? So weird. Doesn't make any sense. I'm going to shut you down now, okay? Yeah, you're creepy as hell, so I'm going to shut you down. A loud smash of metal erupts from the hallway. Simon slowly makes his way back into the first chamber. The mass on the wall is gone. A trail of black liquid leaks out into the hall, where a hole has been made in the wall. Simon slowly follows the new path made by this creature, eventually finding another locked door. A loud slam can be heard on the locked door, followed by a loud ear-piercing screech as static breaks up Simon's vision backs away from the door as the banging stops. The creature seeds into the distance, and Simon unlocks and slowly makes his way through the door. The chamber is empty, a hole ripped through the wall, leading somewhere else. Simon searches the room to find the Omnitool mentioned where he awoke. He makes his way back to the chamber and plugs it in. After a short engineering training video, Simon takes the upgraded Omnitool to access new places in this strange place known as Pathos 2. As Simon explores, he makes his way back to a previously sealed door. Omnitool in hand, it opens. Simon steps out into the hallway, a glass tunnel choked with seaweed and barnacles. As Simon looks up, he sees an endless sea above, 
a swimming fish swim through the water around him. He slowly passes the tunnel, still not sure where he is. The only way forward is to find some way out of this place. Simon eventually finds a control console. A mass of metal and tentacles lie on the floor. A series of appendages plugged into the console on the wall. The mass sounds as if it's breathing. It rises and falls with each breath. Hey, can you hear me? Simon asks. He walks up to the console. Radio signal blocked, insufficient power. This is his chance to contact someone, to find out why he's down here. But the only response is the alien labored breath of the mass. Simon grabs one of the appendages plugged into the console. No, don't. The mass replies in a female voice. He grabs another and pulls. I need it. The mass responds. Simon pulls the last one out. Why? I was okay. I was happy. The light on the creature fades and it lies still. The creature disconnected. Simon again looks at the console. He hits some switches and the generators come to life. The building lurches and shifts as the power comes on. A screen with the words, Station, Lisbon, Portugal, offline. Cadiz, Spain, offline. Site Delta, offline. Site Theta, offline. Site Lambda, online. A woman's voice comes over the radio. Oh, what is, what's happening? Hello? Is anyone there? Hey, can you hear me? I hear you. Uh, uh, Epsilon, what's going on? I have no idea. I just, I just sort of woke up here. In the room right now? Uh, it was like a seat with a helmet. Is that right? What's your name? I'm Simon Jarrett. What are you? Ah, uh, the signal is damn relays. Where are you now? Someplace dealing with electrical power. I'm not sure if it's plant or or a transformer. Yeah, you're probably in the thermal plant somewhere. You want to go upstairs to the comm center. It's a room with a domed ceiling. Hey, look, this place is not... There's something seriously wrong here. Hello? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. We just lost another relay. Listen, head to the comm center upstairs. I'll wait here. The radio goes silent. Simon makes his way into the thermal plant and towards the comm center. As he climbs down into the thermal plant, the ladder breaks. He falls the metal floor below. He stands and realizes he isn't alone. A constructor robot who awoke that destroyed the wall patrols the area. Its body is covered with white lights. As it lumbers through the chamber, Simon's heart races. He sneaks past the creature and heads in the direction of the comm center. He finds his way to the comm center door, but it's sealed due to insufficient power. Simon continues to explore the upper floors of this place when he comes to another robot, this one willing to talk. Who's there? What the hell happened to you? What's wrong with your... Everything. Did you go diving in sewage or something? What are you? It's me, Carl. Call Semkin? Wrangler? Does any of this sound familiar to you? I... No, actually. Well, thanks for being so helpful. It's not like I'm knocked on the floor or anything. Are, are you human? Shit. Did my body give it away? I try hard staying a mystery. Yeah, I'm human. Are you? My name's Simon. Do you, do you know anything about this place? Oh, you're new. That makes this less weird. Look, I'm obviously hurt. If you see anyone else around, tell them where I am. So where are you exactly? Are you for real? I'm right here. See me waving? Look at my hands. Hey, buddy. Okay, okay. I'm just gonna... I'm, I'm not seeing it. I see a machine, a robot talking. What the hell are you looking at? I'm here, see? Um, okay. I, I didn't expect you to look like that. You're really hung up on appearances, aren't you? Listen, I don't want to alarm you, but I think you might be trapped inside a robot. I'm telling you, get your eyes checked. I'm right here. I see both hands, both feet. When you're remote, all you see is a video feed from the helper unit. Simon Confused backs away. All he can see is a helper robot. 
He isn't sure what's going on, but he doesn't have a way to help this robot, so he moves on. As he continues to explore and find a way to get the power back on, he's hit with the smell. The smell of death fills the hallway. He moves closer, finding the source. A body, long dead, face smashed, lying on the wall. Inspects the body, the identification badge. Carl Semek, the same name the robot gave. Using the ID number, Simon heads back to the terminal outside, the comm center, and uses Carl's login. He can reroute the power from the conveyor belt where the robot's trapped. Simon heads back and flips the power switch. Feeling of relief as the power turns off, quickly fades as he hears the scream from behind him. The robot who claimed to be Carl is screaming in anguish, begging for help. His screams turn into a sob. He begs for the pain to stop, and then lays still. The path to communication is open. Yikes, man, this is terrifying yeah yeah and in one of the things to be aware you're in this like giant metal place like it's it feels very mechanical everything around you and it's kind of dark and dimly lit and in this moment there's a choice you can make there this is the first in a series of choices you as a character can make i chose the um this particular one because i think it better demonstrates the terror of this moment the alternative is, is you can reroute the power from somewhere else, but you have to like go and face this creature who you fought before, who chased you before, um, by rerouting oh. the power that way. So you, yeah, so in this option you choose, and one of the things, if you go and flip that switch, he starts to scream, and you can turn it back off, and the screaming sound he says, "Help! Help! I need some help! Somebody! Something's hurting me!" Like he actively, he he speaks to you in this really like heart wrenching way, and and when when you flip that switch and the power is drained from him. It's really hard. It, it's terrifying as you hear this creature kind of scream and, and ask for help in this in this very strange way. Especially because, like, you he claims to be this Carl, but you just found Carl's body. Right. So it, it's it's a lot. It's it's what do you what are your what are you thinking so far? What are you what are you feeling? I mean, I'm super intrigued already. I think that Simon is really holding himself together in this super awkward situation. Yeah. I would have been like. All right, I'm done. <laughs> you know, peace yeah. out. See you later. Yeah, but like, and I'm I'm picturing. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm picturing this to be kind of like a um, a rapture looking place. Am I wrong with that assumption? Is it looking any different than that? That's a that's a good assumption. It's more mechanical. It's it it doesn't have like the Art Deco style of rapture, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's like the underbelly of rapture, like you would assume would be. It's a lot of metal and cords and wires. And it's all just this, you, you can't see anything out other than that time you walk and you see the open ocean above you. So it's kind of like a factory looking setting? Yeah, yeah, certainly a factory looking setting. Yeah, everything is really, it looks very functionally metallic. And there, there again, there's a bunch of things. This is just the, the straight line, like going right to this. There's like three or four rooms you can explore. You can interact with other things. There's There's a lot more to see here. So if this engages you at all, if this interests you at all and you want to know more, check the game out because there is mm-hmm. so it's similar to bioshock it does such a good job of establishing this environment to the point where again the this this station feels like a character the way it moves and acts and reacts feels like a character and it all is shrouded in just complete mystery like i know as as a storygoer you may feel like oh i missed something what is going on there's there's i, I feel like i've missed information that's how you feel as a player um, it's intentional. You're supposed to be feel kind of lost. Oh, interesting. Um, it becomes clear later, but the it's such an unusual and strange situation that I don't think they could. 
I don't think they could describe it and have it make sense other than just letting you experience it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I get that. That makes sense. Especially with horror. I think horror aspect, I think a lot of times with the horror aspect, it's a lot of confusion and not knowing until like the very end when it all makes sense. You kind of have that like awakening, you know, that kind of like puzzle piece experience, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, so I'm super curious to see where this goes. I'm very curious to see if Simon is a robot in this whole thing too, like Carl was and how that happened with Carl and what and I'm curious if you learned kind of any kind of backstory with that or in terms of what else is going on but yeah I'm already super intrigued I will say this being a modern game they do a really good job of answering the questions that you have in a way that feels satisfying but still has there's more questions and the it, so you get a lot of the a lot of those questions you're asking almost all of them are answered the problem is, is it's not satisfying right it's not it doesn't feel better once you get those answers is is the uh, is the horror of it right the right, you, you get right. the answer you wanted but it doesn't feel satisfying it doesn't feel good it makes you have this existential fear that's just really really well implied i wonder if like simon just plugged in like so he drains carl right and carl's screaming and simon's like oh <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. The, the like, oh crap <laughs> yeah and they do a really good job again in the game of with simon when he does something simon is a really good character in that he reacts to everything you do so when you first flip that switch in the game he says oh oh i think i flipped the wrong switch and like you know what i mean like he reacts in a way that feels real and meaningful that is really it's really good he's really well written that's cool so it's less of a mindless character more of a fleshed out one yeah he has a voice he has a personality he is a character he is not just somebody you're playing he he is his own character who you happen to be playing he's not an empty vessel for you to fill and because of who Very he cool. is it helps shape the story in really cool ways simon climbs up the ladder to comms he puts the code for Lambda and finds a signal connecting Upsilon to Lambda. A familiar voice appears over the comms. Ah, that's, that's better. better. Simon, was it? Jarrett. Simon Jarrett. Hi, Simon. I'm, I'm Catherine. Catherine. Have you figured out what's going on yet? Me? I was hoping you would have some answers. I probably have some. What do you want to know? Where do I... Where do we even begin? I mean, what is this place? How did I get here? And why do the robots talk like people? Well, you're at Upsilon, clearly. Have you been there before? Where do you work? The Grimoire in, in Toronto? Is that really important? No, I mean, where did you work on Pathos 2? I don't know what that is! That's unexpected. Did you come directly from Toronto? Yes, I did, and it was very unexpected. Have you seen any people, like staff or field technicians? Only robots. Crazy ones. This is all so strange. You're telling me. As Simon finishes speaking, the dome above starts to creak, and then a loud crash. What was that? Whoa! Small spouts of water shoot through the small holes in the wall. What's, What's going, going on? on? I think this place is about to collapse. What do I do? Simon, Simon come, come to Lambda. Lambda. How do I get there? Shuttle trains are connecting to all the sites. Find one and come here. I'll wait for you. As Catherine finishes speaking, the dome begins to crack and water fills the chamber. Simon panics as he looks around for some way out. The dome collapses and a rush of water knocks him unconscious. When Simon wakes up, he's underwater. Inside the now-flooded comm center, seemingly unaffected by being underwater, he has no trouble breathing or walking. He climbs out of the comm center to find himself on the ocean floor. A massive structure illuminates the seafloor, seaweed and sea life surround him. He slowly makes his way to the shuttle station and turns on the shuttle. He slowly makes his way to the shuttle station, turns on the shuttle. Using the site map, he chooses Lambda. 
while the shuttle drives, Simon is shown a brief video explaining the purpose of Pathos 2. A space gun that could fire satellites into space from the sea floor. Lambda is the main hub and the center of the station. As the video ends, a warning signal starts. The train moves faster and faster as it hits, protruding debris and crashes. When Simon wakes up, he uses the console to contact Catherine. She directs him to Lambda. When he makes it inside, he hears Catherine screaming, You stay out! This is important! No! A loud crash can be heard as Catherine screams. Simon moves quickly towards her, but Catherine calls out, Be quiet! Don't look at it! The creature exits the room where the screaming can be heard. It looks like a naked man, where his head once stood as a mass of glowing growths. Simon's vision blurs, and he looks away. After some time, Catherine whispers, I think it's safe to come out now. When Simon looks, the creature is nowhere to be seen. Simon heads into the room to make sure Catherine's okay. Once he heads inside, he hears her voice, but instead of coming from a person, a broken machine lies on the floor. Hey, hey down, down here. here! No, not you too. I was really hoping you were human. Don't let the circuitry fool you. I was human once. I can't take it anymore. This is... Everything is fucked. I give up. There's nothing left. Calm down. It's not the end of the world. You sure? It sure looks like it. For all I know, there's no one left except me. What do you mean? I'm right here. Don't take this the wrong way. But I meant any humans left, except for me. Have you looked at yourself lately? You're a walking, talking, diving suit with some electronics strapped on for good measure. Simon raises his hands. The human hands blur and flicker. He sees black with white lights. I don't... You don't want to think about it? Well, start thinking about it. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this. I want out. Before you do anything hasty, could you help me with something? What? I was trying to find out what happened to my project when that brute knocked me to the ground. Your project? How could anything possibly matter when you know you're a stupid robot in a stupid dead world? Okay, focus. I need you to fix me so I can get back to work. Then you can sulk as much as you want. You've got to be kidding, right? I think I have a better chance of building myself a time machine than putting you back together. You just need to access the computer. Oh, is that an Omni-Tool you're carrying? Oh, the door opener? I picked it up at Epsilon, where I woke up. That'll have to do. Plug it into the terminal. Sure, whatever. Catherine explains to Simon that he needs to plug the Omni-Tool into the terminal, then install her Cortex chip into the tool. Simon follows her instructions, but as he grabs the chip, the sentence is cut off. Once he plugs it in, Catherine's face appears on the monitor, still finishing her sentence. Oh, this feels weird. I'm in the Omnitool? Thanks. Simon asks Catherine about her project. She explains how she took brain scans of everyone on the station and uploaded them into a simulated world that they would launch into space so they could live. She then explains at first it was a pet project, but once the comet took out all the life on the surface, it got very serious. It was renamed the Ark. Simon listens in stunned silence. She continues to explain... That this version of herself was made at the start. She doesn't know if the real Catherine finished the project. She finishes the scan, asks Simon to go to the other room to view the files. She can't access them from the terminal. We got a lot of info right there. A whole lot going yeah. on. What do you think so far? How are you, are you feeling? You said that you were feeling engaged. Are you still feeling that way? Oh, definitely, yeah. So it's interesting now that we know that Simon is not as human as he thinks he is. Yeah. Or thought he was. And I'm curious if his brain scan had anything to do with his being in uh, Pathos 2. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if, like, if this is really a Simon or not. If this is not the real Catherine, then possibly this is just a copy of, of Simon as well. Uh, so, yeah, super engaged. I'm very curious that Catherine will continue on this journey with Simon in his Omni-Tool, uh, which is kind of cool. I wonder if they'll have like interactions and stuff together. But overall, yeah, super, super engaged, super interested. I, uh, 
so it sounds like everyone on earth is dead yeah from a, from a comet yeah so yeah one of the things i wish i would add it here it also i think the date is 2106 2106 or something like that so it's it's years and years later from 2015 when simon was in toronto oh right so this is like a hundred years later as well and that's something you get from obviously engaging with the terminals and you see that information yeah it's one of the so right away we're we're kind of faced with this like so if this is just a brain scan of simon in a robot is is that a real person is he alive or not and then same with Catherine, right and I think what's re- what's really interesting is Simon as a player, Simon as a character, he's just as in the dark as we are. So they did a really good job, I think, of asking the questions we would ask. And one of the things I think, like you said, is Simon's taking this really well. But you can see that start to break down in what feels like a really real way um, yeah. when he starts to learn more about what's going on. But yeah, it's already starting to kind of play with these ideas. So if Simon is just a brain scan in a robot, like what does that mean for Carl, right? What was Carl then? Yeah. Because at that moment, all we knew was he was a robot and we found his dead body. So it couldn't be, it couldn't be Carl, right? Um, and how did he get into this? So there's also more questions. But yeah, it's already starting to play with these ideas. Now I'm starting to wonder, like, did Simon quote unquote kill Carl? Yeah, you know, did, is that was that considered murder? Yeah. and even like the way Catherine says it, she was like, "Well, don't worry about it. I was human once, you know, like, or I was a human. I am a human in this body." So to her, it's like she is a human in her. It sounds like she considers herself a human, but to to Simon before realizing that he is also in the same situation, that was not he did not identify Catherine as human, right? It kind of yeah. also shows that like as a character, Catherine maybe has a better understanding of. Or has a different idea of what it means to be human than Simon does at this point. Right, yeah. And I mean and I would even question too from my own perspective, is even is even worth it yeah. to to be human sometimes. I, I you know, you see the world, you see the the actions people take, is it is it necessarily a good thing to consider yourself human? Yeah. Yeah. Simon heads into the next room, still listening from the creature from before. As Simon makes his way to the terminal, Catherine remarks on the state of Pathos 2. It's in ruins. Simon checks the computer and uses the tracker to find the Ark. After a quick scan, Simon discovers the Ark is in Tau, another part of the station. Catherine explains that Tau is right next to where they launch in Phi. Newfound hope, Simon decides he will help Catherine. They will upload themselves into the Ark and launch it into space. Catherine explains that Tau is in the Abyss. Without a power suit, the only way is to use the Dunbat down to Theta. Simon grabs the Omnitool. Catherine disappears from the screen. Simon searches around Lambda as the creature who attacked Catherine stalks the halls. He makes his way outside where he finds an emergency vessel they can use to travel to Theta. He plugs in the Omnitool and Catherine appears on the screen. Huh? What? What is this Curie emergency vessel for? Hey Simon, can you hear me? I hear you. Can you get this thing running? Hang on, I'll give it a try. The vessel whirs to life as the lights flicker before they die. Sorry, it's dead. This EV came from the Curie. It was a ship that used to make runs between Lambda and Lisbon. Looks like the wreck is close. Maybe you can find a vessel like this one inside? Sounds like a plan. Someone grabs the Omnitool and makes his way out of the vehicle. He walks along the seafloor until he finds the wreckage of the Curie. Once inside, he plugs in Catherine. She tells him the ship's in lockdown. He'll need to go down to the bowels of the ship to disable the lockdown. The ship is full of the creatures Simon interacted with before, naked with glowing masses for heads. He turns his eyes and the creatures vanish. He continues to make his way to the engine. A large tentacle is attached to the reactor coolant tank. 
Simon pulls it free as the ship writhes. He pulls another. Again, the ship moans with horror. He pulls on the last tentacle, freeing it from the tank as liquid pours into the lab floor. A screech echoes throughout the Curie. The creature is drawn to the reactor and to Simon. They chase him as a voice appears over the intercom. Attention! Reactor collapse imminent. Make your way to the emergency vehicles. Simon barely hears as he runs for his life. A group of the creatures charge after him, following as he makes his way back up to the ship. As they get closer, his vision blurs and his pulse races. Avoiding the screech of the creature, Simon runs back to the EV as the door closes. The creatures bang on the EV wall as Catherine drains the water and launches the vehicle. The vehicle, under control of Catherine, careens toward Theta. I thought I was done for back there. Seems like the wow is keeping the Curie from going into catastrophic failure state. I mean, how did it get on the ship? Are, are you talking about those black tentacles in the engine room? I've seen them before. In Upsilon, what are they? They're a manifestation of a malfunctioning station-wide artificial intelligence system called WOW. Station-wide? So we just made a powerful enemy? No, no, it's not like that. The AI isn't a person. It doesn't feel or think like we do. It's more like... It's more like a cancer. Distant explosions can be heard as the Curie's reactor explodes. The shockwave slams into EV. The shockwave slams into the EV, causing it to crash into Delta. Before Simon can open the emergency door, a small robot cuts the door open, freeing him. A small tune plays as the small rescue bot swims away. Simon, back on the seafloor, makes his way to nearby Delta, where he finds a Zeppelin station where he can ride all the way to Theta. He plugs Catherine in. She tells him she can use this Zeppelin to get to Theta, but it needs a new tool chip. She tells him the nearby robot should have one. Simon argues that he doesn't want to hurt the robots, which Catherine replies, It's just a robot, Simon. Simon hesitates, but after some time, grabs a stun baton. He finds the small robot who rescues him from the ship, stuns him with the baton, and takes the tool chip. And again, we have another choice here that I uh, made an assumption of a choice. There are There is one robot who is the rescue robot who helped you and freed you and seems to be um, not sentient, as far as we know. There's another robot flying around, sentient, talking to themselves, saying that this place is a, is a pigsty now that this person left. And you can use that stun baton to, like, shoot this robot. And he's, like, he starts screaming for help. Like, help, somebody, somebody, help me. Like, he starts yelling for help as he runs away. And, again, it's, like, just terrifying to know that you're hurting this creature that is calling for help. And, again, is that calling for help because it's alive or because it's impersonating? Like, we, we just don't know. It's just kind of really terrifying. Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually really surprised that... Catherine replies to Simon by saying, it's just a robot, Simon. She was very, I felt like she was more in the mindset that these robots are more human uh, yeah. than they than they appeared to, to Simon at first. So I'm really surprised. Maybe maybe she meant more the fact that the small robot was less sentient. And yeah. that's a robot to her, but because it didn't have a, a human consciousness implanted in it, it wasn't like human in that regard. Yeah. But I don't know. That's kind of a hard thing to, I feel like that's just a... Uh, uh, apples and oranges kind of situation but it's kind of also dangerous too for her just to assume yeah yeah it, she certainly seems to for whatever reason be have a really clear distinction where to simon i would say also to us as the player it's really blurry to know what is a human what is a robot what in this world we don't really have any clear idea because we're seeing again this rescue robot that just seems to be kind of doing random tasks versus other robot who can talk but like we don't know the difference or why they are this way in the same way that she seems to have some kind of understanding that i would say like you said doesn't make a lot of sense for us as a player or 
for Simon as a character to fully understand. And maybe it's because this is more Catherine's world that she has a better understanding. I don't know. And it's kind of like, this reminds me, and in this, in no means, way, shape, or form is the same thing. But like, you get, I think you get into really dangerous territory when you try to identify when one thing is one thing and another thing is another thing. So like for, so in this example, this helper robot is, it seems like in Catherine's eyes is lesser than, than compared to herself and Simon because they have human consciousness. And what this reminds me of, and again, not the same thing, um, is, you know, segregation uh, back in like yeah. the 60s, uh, you know, and, and how they, they kind of made that distinction where like, you know, because another person was a different color of skin, they were lesser than, which is a really obviously dangerous and, and not good way to identify one another. So my whole point is, though, is that, you know, through this through these lens and just saying that the small robot is lesser than than Simon and Catherine, that could lead to, I think, really dangerous repercussions because we don't know the small robot really does have a consciousness or, or does have a uh, some kind of uh, personality that is just not identifiable or recognizable by these two. So could, are they doing harm against that? And is that okay? I think it's, it's something that's really interesting to talk about. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I didn't notice until I was kind of going through this the second time is she also does the same thing with the wow, right? Simon is worried yeah. that he's angered this artificial intelligence, which she calls it an artificial intelligence. And she's like, no, it, it doesn't have a personality. It's not a, it's not, it's not a persona. It, it's like a cancer. But obviously this thing, if it wants to stay alive, if it's fighting to stay alive then there, there's something there, right? There's right. some kind of life there. But Catherine is... But again, cancer is the same thing. It is mm -hmm. something that is destroying the body by trying to stay alive. But is is its life... Like you're, you're measuring its life versus ours, where obviously if a person gets cancer, that's a terrible thing, and the cancer needs to die. Mm -hmm. But that cancer is alive and wants to grow, and it's like asking us to ask these questions of what is consciousness and what is life? Is cancer conscious if it's like actively trying to keep itself alive and fighting to stay alive, even though it's killing another being? Right, right. And I think this also shows how easy it is to, to ignore to ignore a comparison or to ignore maybe the fact that this quote unquote cancer, the, the wow, uh, is an artificial intelligence. Maybe it's easier for Catherine to just assume, no, it's not a big deal because this thing is, is standing in the way of her, you know, betterment in, mm -hmm. in this situation. So is it like a denial situation or does she truly believe that this isn't a, a, a person that should be understood? Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping we get this answer as we go through the story. I'm very curious to see what <laughs> kind of happens with that. Yeah. Tool chip in hand, Simon head back to the terminal. Catherine reappears on the screen. Thank, Thank you, Simon. Simon. Don't, don't be mad, mad okay? We really we needed that, that chip. chip. We'd be, be stuck, stuck here. here. Could you do it? Could you kill a robot like that? I get attached to them, too. I'm not a monster, but in this case, it had to be done. Was it really different from us? It's just beginning to sink in. I'm a robot. Didn't we cover this already? I guess, I guess I've known since I woke up in Upsilon. I just keep suppressing it. Like, my brain doesn't want me to think about it. It's really hard to not think about it. Yeah. Could you maybe hit that switch over there so we can get moving? Oh, yeah. Sure. Simon silently hits the switch as the Zeppelin takes them to Theta, where they can use the Dunbat to dive deep into the sea and find the Ark. While they ride, Simon is distant, thinking about what he is, what he has become. As you're riding this Zeppelin ride, um, Simon is still thinking about everything that just happened and who he is and what's going on. 
And there's this really cool, there's this really good discussion between him and Catherine, where Catherine is explaining um, what might be going on. Why, even though Simon is a robot, his body makes him think he's human. And she talks about how the fact that his brain is projecting that he is a human onto his, his brain is tricking him so that he won't go insane. It's, it's trying to connect to the things it can understand because if it doesn't, you would just go insane or you would break down because it, how can you possibly comprehend that these hands that I'm moving aren't my hands? And even mm-hmm. though I don't have a mouth, I'm talking. And so his brain is tricking him into this and he's constantly repressing it. And he starts having like this existential crisis of, he he's saying like, and she says it's a balance of awareness. He's like, so it's kind of like a balance of awareness and ignorance. And he's like, but what if I find something that makes me realize more than I should? Or what if, and he starts to like go down this spiral of not knowing where he begins and where this robot suit ends and what that means and how to process that and understand that. And Catherine is like trying to help him understand, but she seems to not get, not quite get why he's confused. Mm-hmm. In this really interesting way that, again, is is just asking, like, is that an existence? Like, would you want to know more in this moment, knowing that it might break who you are and cause you not to function anymore? Or would you rather, like, live in this ignorance of, okay, my brain is going to keep saying I'm human because otherwise I wouldn't function? Jeez. And just really quick, are there brains in these robots? Are there, like, human brains in the robots? Or is just their consciousness No, so it? it's, yeah, it's the Omni chip. It's the Cortex chip, Okay, right? We okay. don't know what's going on with Simon um, yet, but with Catherine, it's, it's like a small, basically looks like a flash drive, a little bit chunkier, that has her brain scan on it. And that brain scan is where this comes from. That's super interesting. And back to your back to the point you were making or what you were saying before about, you know, would you want to accept this information if it, if it broke you? I would personally argue that's kind of just human nature in general is to kind yeah. of ignore the obvious. I mean, we see it all the time in relationships or um, the decisions that we make. Like it's, it's so obvious when it's not us. Like we see a couple that's arguing and we're like, or we have that friend that dates that person that we're like, oof, they're just not a good couple. Right. Like you can tell that there's not it's not a healthy relationship, but to that couple, it maybe looks healthy to them and everything's OK. It's just sometimes they argue because we, you know, we like to kind of more ride on the ignorance of our humanity uh, and our mental state to just kind of ignore that fact because we, we kind of it's it feels, I think, more st- stable to remain in this relationship rather than destroy everything and start fresh. That seems more scary. That seems like much more of a of a. Uh, hardship to kind of go down that path rather than just stay in this unhealthy relationship that we're convincing ourselves is healthy yeah and it's really interesting yeah yeah that that makes complete sense and i think pointing that out there's a lot of examples of that where we ignore things that don't make sense to our brains because ultimately our brains are faulty right they 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 aren't trying to get everything right they're trying to make everything make sense those are very different things like for example we have a blind spot right that our eyes can't see but our brain just fills in what it thinks is there. And we mm-hmm. don't question that, right? Because that we trust our brains and what we see is what is there. And what we hear is what is there. And what we know is what we know. But this is kind of similar to that relationship. It's asking, like, is that worth it? Or or would you rather know the alternative? Or, again, like, it also is asking, like, what does it mean to be human, right? Is, is Simon a human if he is just a brain scan in a robot? Right. Or is that even important? 
Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that now I'm thinking of all these examples. Like, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. like, think about it, and I, I never want to talk about politics ever. <laughs> but, like, the thing that comes right. to mind, especially right now, with so many political things happening, is, like, think about that one person that we all probably know that is just so, st- like, stuck in their ways that we can, like, tell them 50 facts about whatever person they support and how awful they are. And that person that we know will never change their mind. Why? Yeah. Because it's better to just kind of lay back on that ignorance that we all know and love and uh and not you know it's it's better stability than to just accept these facts and just change everything right because then then you're changing yourself in a a sense you know a large Mm -hmm. part of you if you really pride yourself on your political views and someone's trying to uh, change that it's it's probably very jarring and very scary because then you're like yeah well who am i going to be if i accept these facts and and who and how i go forward from here if i if who i was didn't believe that yesterday you know so like yeah. it's just super interesting how our brains are so amazing to adapt and, and to be able to adapt to different situations you know like through ptsd and, and uh repressing memories and things like that it's, it's crazy how the brain does that but again it's very faulty it's yeah. definitely not yeah. perfect in any means yeah just it, again like this game is so interesting in that way as it asks these really difficult questions in a way that feels really interesting and like it makes sense in this world but it, it makes you question a lot of what's going on and we'll and again it just ramps that up in, in, in a really incredible way yeah simon exits the zeppelin and makes it into theta once inside someone plugs into the omni tool Catherine explains to simon how to find the dunbat and how the arc works a perfect simulation where individuals are completely immersed in the world in space, it could survive for a thousand years. After she finishes explaining, she realizes the Dunbat is under quarantine. They'll need to find someone with a cipher to unlock it. Catherine unlocks the door to Theta. Someone grabs the Omnitool and heads inside. As Simon explores Theta, looking for a security cipher, he finds Catherine's scanning room. Catherine tells him that she scanned herself first. She doesn't know what happened after, but she suggests they could use the scan of a security officer to get a cipher. As Simon explores the terminal, he finds Theta on himself and three audio recordings, one after the scan, one talking about the next steps, his roadmap, and one titled The Last Recording. Kath, what is this? Why do you have a file on me? Oh, Oh, you're one of Dr. Munchie's Munchie's templates, templates, a legacy legacy scan. Simon hesitantly plays a recording attached to his file. The first one right after the scan is between Munchie and Simon, talking about what happened immediately after the scan. Next, the roadmap, talking about how his treatment has been approved and what he has to do to recover. The last recording takes place in the hospital. The beep of an EKG machine can be heard as Simon and Munchie talk. The model was sound. It should have worked. It's not your fault, David. I really wish things had turned out differently. Yeah, me too. I was supposed to save you. Hey, you got my brain on file. Maybe you can put it to some use. Yeah, who knows? You'd, you'd be okay with that? Using it for my research? Sure. It's like part of me lives on or something. Like a, like a donated organ. You know what sucks about dying? What? The crash. Everything up till now, the brain damage, you guys, everything. It has made life so much more real. I started to think about all the things I was going to do. I'd never been more excited to be alive. All that hope, wasted. Recording ends, and Simon stands silently. So here we have the answer to the question of how he got to be a robot. Oh, it's really sad, too. Yeah. Super yeah. sad. So the Simon that we know that we've gone through the story so far is not the same Simon in in a sense as the one that we've started with before the you know as the brain scan was happening and everything. Yeah, and it makes sense why he's here in twenty one whatever uh, <laughs> as a robot <laughs> or as a human if you haven't decided yet. 
But yeah, uh, I really like that quote because it's really sad. Uh, and I feel like it's really true. Like him saying that, you know, once he realizes he's going to die, life became so much more real. That's really sad. I feel like that's just so, but I feel like it's so like relatable in a sense when you think about it that way. Um, yeah, super, super sad. I don't know. I, and it's weird that Catherine just seems so kind of chill about this whole thing still. It makes me really uneasy with her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a really strange and it's important it's setting something up so keep that in mind that he just happens to be this simon right there was no choice made he just happens to be this simon here in this moment instead of that simon there total luck um that he's this simon instead of that simon right um because it's just a continuation of consciousness right as far as he knows he had never died until now he he was still alive in that moment until he heard this recording so again it's asking like is this consciousness that has gone on longer than the body that held it, is that as worthwhile as the original consciousness? And what does that mean? I would even ask if it, is it even the same person? You know, is yeah. this really even the same Simon or are these two different Simons? Are these two different people at this point? This Simon, the first Simon, the original Simon, um, died of whatever he had going on, whatever illness he had going on. But I mean, like, as, and as sad as that was, I don't know if he really would want to be in this situation as the new Simon. Yeah. being in pathos too and trying to survive this thing just to get out um <laughs> right i don't know they, they both have different experiences so if they have different experiences are they, are they still the same person i think is a really yeah. cool question to ask i would argue no personally i would say yeah. these are not the same simons anymore yeah i i would agree i think like you said because of those experiences i mean the mm-hmm. simon who died he had a different experience like you said there was hope he his life changed after that brain scan and this Simon didn't get to experience that change in the same way. He just has to live with the accident that happened without without the hope being there. So right. again, there's another reason why there's a there's a different Simon. And then again, Catherine in the same way. This scan of Catherine was the first brain scan before the before anybody else was scanned. So who is this Catherine compared to the other Catherine who might still be out there or who knows what she did? Or we found out the arc wasn't did we get to that point yet? Yeah, we found out the Ark wasn't launched. Mm-hmm. The real Catherine was involved in that in some way, is the assumption, I would assume. I have a bad feeling about this real Catherine. Right? And what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, there's this like tension of, we don't know who this Catherine is because she's different than the Catherine who finished the Ark and finished scanning the people, and we're going to find out more about that. But yeah, it's tense, and it's scary, and it just, again, has this existential, who knows what it is to me be alive and who knows what it is to mean a human or what life is in, in some, some spooky ways. Yeah. So I would even give this to any sort of that are still questioning, you know, what, what the right answer is for them. I would give them this situation. So say you say you had a significant other and for whatever reason they lost their memories, like permanent memory loss. They don't remember anything before their accident. So as they wake up that this whole new person with no experiences, right there, it's a clean slate. Is that still the person that you love going forward? You know, so this person who, say you're in a relationship for five years and all five years are, are, are gone, as well as the past memories that this person, your significant other had, right? All out the window forever. That's just totally gone. So here's this person, that the same person physically that you've known for these five years, but mentally they're not the same person anymore. Or they, sorry, they, they don't have the same experiences. They don't have the memories that you've, you've shared together. Is that person still the same person at that point yeah and then whatever your answer is i think would would kind of help you 
answer is Simon real or is, is this the same Simon or not? The recording ends as Simon stands silently. Catherine tells Simon to check the storage room for more data. Among all the destroyed data is a group of brain scans. Simon plugs it in and loads Brandon Wan, the security officer. Catherine brings up a simulation and Brandon to life on the screen in front of Simon. Brandon appears sitting in the chair, recovering from his initial scan. Confused, Brandon starts freaking out, trapped inside the simulation. He starts to scream at Catherine before his spiking stress level causes the simulation to end. Each time they try to interact with the scan, the stress level causes it to end abruptly. Simon explores the nearby staff room to find more information on Brandon in hopes of stopping the simulation from crashing. He finds that after being scanned, a group of individuals committed suicide, killing themselves to preserve continuity. Eventually, Simon finds that Brandon's partner, Alice, was in the room when he was scanned. They can trick Brandon into sharing the information with them. Simon heads back into the scan room, and with Catherine impersonating Alice's voice, they get the codes. And during this whole situation, Simon is uncomfortable because this brain scan that Simon is using was the same one that was going to be uploaded to that perfect simulation. Mm -hmm. So he's effectively, him and Catherine effectively, bringing this person to life, giving them full existence, letting them be in the simulation, and then turning it off and on. Oof. Right. So in that, like, they they have full control of this person's existence in, in the same way that he is just as alive in that simulation as Catherine is, because it's the same type of scan. Right. The same as Brandon and the same as Alice. Yeah. 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 Ugh, it's yeah. like they're playing God. So it seems like Catherine's okay with this whole situation. So like like we've seen in every experience, Catherine is okay. Catherine believes the ends justify the means. This isn't a good situation. This isn't great. It isn't good. But it's the only way we can get to the Ark and save these people. Because in Catherine's mind, this Brandon, it's terrible what we're doing to him. There's another Brandon trapped on the Ark down at the bottom of this place. If we can get that Brandon into space, he will survive for a thousand more years. Mm. Okay. By killing one Brandon, we save another Brandon. Right. And I think what's hard for us as players, and me as a person, like as a human and as Simon, is to see these as not, like this Brandon feels just as useful as that Brandon. And it's hard for us to think of this Brandon as different from that Brandon, because in our brain, there's only one of a person. In, in as far as our world is concerned right there's only only this i am the only ryan i know of and that will ever exist and if there was another one somewhere how would i value that over me you know it's it's really hard yeah, it's really difficult yeah. i don't know what i do <laughs> yeah and then after it's finished right after you finish getting the data you catherine impersonates alice's voice and he tells him the codes and then they kind of close the simulation catherine says this doesn't feel good. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to you what you want to do next. And on the screen, it says you can shut down, like just turn this off and trap them in there, or you can erase that data. So so if you shut that down, are they still alive, but just together? There's st- no. So if you shut that down, he is still alive, but just not on, right? He, he's, he, he could exist, but he doesn't. Is it kind of like a coma situation? Right. He doesn't oh, okay. know what's going... Yeah, yeah. But he's also lived all these experiences where he's been turned off and on because that's been the same brain scan throughout all these things. Right, right. Or he could erase it, essentially killing him. Or you can erase it, which is effectively killing him. Yeah. And what what do you choose? Do you choose to just turn it off and let him live in this machine in this kind of inert state until the power runs out of this place? Ugh, or, man, do you, this... or do you erase it right now? Ugh, man, I don't know what I would do. I think... 
oh, I don't know what I'd do. It feels like the good choice is to just shut down, right, and mm-hmm. leave him. But is that kind of leaving him in this, like, kind of hell situation where he just can't escape, he's just stuck? Is it is it more like a, a blessing to just erase him so he doesn't suffer? But is it is it even suffering, you know, because we can't yeah. understand that perspective of being an AI stuck in a machine. Is that is that, like, torture, or is it easy to not feel pain in that situation i don't know see i don't even know it's so my brain hurts it's hard <laughs> it's really hard yeah yeah Is my brain real ryan i don't know anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> who knows? what's this flash drive right here doing i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean like the terrifying thing is like eventually it'll get to a point where like a flash drive can hold the however much data our brain holds right like yeah. the crazy thing is is this is which this is kind of what uh philip k dick is known for right is this and maybe the others as well, he's just the only one I'm aware of, is these asking these questions of, like, what does it mean to be alive? And what does it mean to exist in a computer versus not? Is that the same existence? And looking at the future, because science fiction is, like, obviously you're looking at what could happen in the future. Like, what what are we going to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? And are these individuals in the arc, like, what's their existence? Because really, they're just in a video game that has really good immersion, trapped forever. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. They're not walking in a real world. They're walking in a simulated one. But at least it's a happy one. One of the things she says is like, it's always 70 degrees. You don't have to eat, drink or sleep. It's always daytime. You know what I mean? It's it's like this utopia. But it, it's not part of you knows it's not real. But is right. that does that matter? And that's where the ignorance part plays in again. Right. You know? Exactly. Okay to just pretend like this is all okay. And nothing's wrong. Very, um, you know, simulation matrixy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's asking those same questions, yeah. Catherine and Simon make their way to the Dunbat dock. With the security cipher, they lower the Dunbat to the dock. They turn the systems on, but before they can release the ship, it comes to life. I can't take this! I can't take this! I can't take this! Catherine, this is all your fault! This is all your fault! The Dunbat's arms thrash wildly as the machine screams. It eventually breaks free of the dock and drops in the water below, leaving Catherine and Simon stuck on theta i feel like Catherine is is, there's more going on to Catherine than i think we see yet but i feel like i don't know just the way she's talking to simon and everything i just feel like this thing off about her i i wonder what happened to the real Catherine, just based on this art this ai Catherine. i almost want to say artificial but it feels wrong in a sense now right yeah because of what's happened yeah and and one of the things i will say is if you spend time you find you can find out what happens to real Catherine, but only if you explore. And you get a lot more details on this area. You spend a lot of time walking around Theta because this is where everybody like lives. Mm-hmm. One of the things you find out is, like I said, one of the scientists gets in his head that there cannot be two versions of somebody. So they like a small group of them, after getting their brain scanned, killed themselves because they didn't want to break that continuation they they didn't want to live in both worlds at the same time so then Catherine is gets one of the things we find out is Catherine eventually in the middle of this is told to stop scanning people because it's breaking people mentally to have to go through with this to to both live in this miserable world where there's no hope and also in the same time live in a world that's perfect yeah and you don't have to worry about anything and they would rather live in that one than this one and is it suicide if you're not really killing yourself, you're just killing one version of yourself. Knowing there's another totally fine version out there. You're just ending a version. Oh, see, I think 
I think if I was to answer that question, I would say it is suicide only because we've, we, I, I made that distinction for myself personally that yeah. the original Simon and this new Simon are two different people. So, mm-hmm. and I, I get where these people feel that they can't be one-on-one consciousness. I understand. I feel like I understand their perspective and what they're trying to say, but I just feel like it's not the same anymore. It's like an alternate universe in a sense. Like, you know, yeah. you make one decision and that branches off to a different path while, you know, the other decision that you kind of made branches off on a different path. And then you've made two different alternate universes of, of yourself in this situation. And they just keep branching off and branching off and branching off. But like, you know, I feel like at that point, once this person, once this copy of you is placed in this beautiful, amazing world, and then this other version of you, the original, is stuck in this dreary, horrible place, that's just two different experiences happening, and then now you're two different people. I don't know. Yeah. It's I would I would argue it is suicide, but I could I don't know. I really hope someone writes in about this game. I would love to hear some perspectives <laughs> on what people think, especially if they do not agree with me. I would I would love to kind of see some contradictions against my argument. It'd be really cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot going on. And again, it's 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 asking a lot of these questions that are really interesting. And I, as an individual, I've never thought about these things, but I certainly haven't encountered them in a video game medium. That again is like a simulated world where I'm playing a simulated person, which is also strange. I mean, obviously they don't have consciousness, but they want to be alive in the same way that I want to be alive in some ways, even though it's simulated and even though I'm just playing another person. Um, it's got some weird, weird wiggles there. Yeah. Simon stands in a dark room, everything disabled by the AWOL Dunbat. He stands for a moment before crawling through a nearby vent, finding himself to an adjacent room. He plugs in the Omnitool. Catherine, after being plugged in, realizes what happened with the Dunbat. She informs Simon the only way to descend into the Abyss without the Dunbat is to get a power suit at Omicron. Then, put the suit on, head to the deep sea elevator, and reach the Ark. Before they leave, Catherine notices a chamber that has data about the Ark, which they can use to upload themselves into the simulation. To do this, they need to know more about what Simon's body is made of. Simon stands in a nearby compound examiner. The door shuts, trapping him in the tight chamber. Simon activates the machine and it starts to scan his body. On the screen, he can see the skeleton and the diving suit, fused together. A face and name appear on the screen. Female. Read. Imogen. Catherine explains that Simon is comprised of the wetsuit and Imogen's body. A data reader and an Torch have been forced through the skull. Simon's consciousness is in control of another human's body. All fused with structure gel, the WoW has been producing to bring various machines in the complex to life. Simon looks at his, or Imogen's hands, horrified. Catherine, in awe of this information, quickly tells him the good news. Because he's in a cortex shift, it'll be easy to transfer him to the Ark. She believes the reason he can function, unlike the creatures they faced, is he has a human mind and a body, fused with the WoW structure gel. That's crazy. I didn't know that was going to happen. I, to have a human body. So it's, it's, that's crazy. Like, so Simon's in a human body, quote unquote, technically, right? But it's a different person's Somebody body. Somebody else's, Much, yeah. Yeah, and I can understand why he's horrified. That is terrifying to find out about yourself. You're in the situation, you're not only using not your body, but you're kind of being, you're probably forcing to use someone else's body. And maybe they didn't really want their body being used. We don't know. But for Catherine, it doesn't really seem like it phased her that much. Like she's, it's just, to her, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Yeah, and so there's this kind of revelation where we, and you kind of called it pretty earlier that you thought, oh, maybe Simon must be like a robot, right? That's why he's able to connect with all these things. Well, that's why he's able to do what he can do. 
but it's not that he's a robot. His brain chip has been lodged into another corpse, right? Yeah. And he's just walking around in this corpse, which is just, like, terrifying. Because, yeah, again, we don't know anything about this body. I I mean, Catherine in this moment mentions that um, she knew Imogen. Imogen was a person who was from Pathos 2 before all this went down. She doesn't know how you got here. Um, But, yeah. So that's the that's kind of we're starting to learn more about again this what does it mean to be alive? Well, is Simon considered alive, right? He's using a dead body, right? As as basically a machine. He's just mm-hmm. activating its its mechanical things, right? In the same way like if you zap a dead frog, it wiggles. Um in this like terrifying right. thing. Yeah. So we do we know for sure that Imogen's body is dead? Yeah. So it Yes, um, we okay. or it's it's implied that she would have di- either died in the process or she was killed with what everything else that happened here, but she she is she okay. her, she is no longer alive um, because of whatever this was. This data reader, which is is that thing that we found when we were looking at, when we were um, questioning that individual, and we put his cortex chip in that machine. Just that has been shoved in the back of this person's head. Wow, and we we still don't know why Simon no. is in this situation in this body. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that I I love about this game, but also is like kind of difficult to, especially like tell a, co- a cohesive story about it. Is there's just a lot of info, and there's a lot that they don't really tell you. Um, it's in the game if you take the time and explore and read all those data logs and read all those computer things. But again, that's kind of outside the scope of the main story we're focusing on. Yeah. But there's just a lot, and it's all really interesting and really good. And I will say, anything you have a question about is described. Every question you have is answered. It's just a matter of you have to go and find it in the game, and it describes it in interesting. It's all interesting and engaging. But again, for the scope of what we're doing here, to tell the story of Simon and Catherine and their journey to find the arc it's it's kind of on the fringes of that um and then for transparency i cut out a section here that is in the game absolutely terrifying um where you're like running away from this um horrific creature but there was so much of it that didn't add to the actual progression and as you can tell as you'll see cutting it out it doesn't take away from the overall story playing the game it's an incredible experience i'm not i think a good enough writer to describe that experience in a way that both is concise enough to have it fit and also be as engaging as I think it needs to be. So the best way to experience that is is to play the game or watch a video because it's mm-hmm. it's really well done. And again, yeah. it, it lends to that um, kind of environmental horror. Then And I think, um, like we're going to talk about at the end of this episode, the next game is going to do a much better job at that being kind of the main bit versus that mm-hmm. doesn't feel like the main horror draw of this game. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. It's hard in those gamey kind of moments to describe that and make it interesting. For me personally, I, I think it's more of a visual kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the story, it's kind of hard. So yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really good. So if you get a chance, if you're just curious, go check it out. It's the Omicron maintenance section. Uh, it's real spooky and you uh, really interesting. Simon makes his way inside the building near Omicron. He plugs the Omni tool and brings Catherine back. Catherine shares that she doesn't mind being trapped in the Omnitool, as as strange as it is, she never felt right being inside a human body. Simon asks why the WoW made him. She says she believes the WoW's ultimate goal is to preserve humanity. When the comet hit, the WoW started to get involved and do what it believed would restore humanity, even if its definition of humanity may be different from theirs. As Simon explores Omicron, he enters a chamber. His vision flickers, 
Lines of static make it hard to focus as a figure appears in the room. You need to stop it, the voice says, and it flickers and fades. Simon moves on, continues to explore until he finds another place to plug Catherine in. She explains that he might not be able to fit inside the power suit in his current form, but they could transfer his mind to a new body. There's got to be something else. Simon, please, you don't have to switch the assistant. Just play along for now. If we find something else, great. If not, I'm not promising anything. Thank you, Simon. Have a look around the room. This is where they would keep power suits if there are any left. Simon searches the room for power suits. A row of small chambers line the wall, labeled A through F. Chamber D, a white arrow above the door, meaning the suit may be inside. Simon approaches and opens the door. The machine comes to life as it attempts to remove the suit from a body. The head twists off with a quick snap and a crunch as blood pours from the helmet. The gore of the neck is revealed as the back of the suit falls open. Simon calls to Catherine. He found a power suit with a dead body inside. Gross. This could work in our favor, though. Look for a nearby terminal. See if you can boot it up. Simon boots up the console. The suit is structurally sound, and if he gathers the proper materials, it could work. Simon begrudgingly makes his way through Omicron. As he explores, he finds more bodies, missing heads, similar to the one in the suit. While gathering all the materials, Simon finds another creature. A woman, whose robot head sits on top of a human's body. It stands, hands to its face, weeping. Simon tries to move around the creature, but as he does, a metallic screech, the creature charges. Simon runs through the complex, trying to escape, trying to make his way back to the lab with the suits. As he enters the room, he shouts to Catherine, Lock the doors! Lock the doors! The door slams shuts as the creature pounds on the metal door. Simon rushes over to the suit, throws on all the parts that they need, as the creature still bashes on the metal doors. He pours structure gel onto the suit and heads over the terminal, activating it. Catherine explains... If Simon isn't willing, she'll take the body and go, but he wouldn't be able to upload himself into the Ark. Um, I wanted to quickly, again, this is there's a, there's a really big chunk of game here where you're walking around this station gathering materials. The only one that's really important is that structure gel. Um, and we've heard about it a little bit here and there, but the basic quick summary is the WoW, this like AI that's trying to restore humanity, created this stuff that if it's injected into things, it, it allows them to in some form, come back to life. They can move, they can they can talk, they can do things. Whether or not they have thoughts or are sentient, that isn't something we know, but it allows things to basically, it allows those connections to continue to form. So if you had structure gel on a battery and you hooked it up to a dead body, that body could walk around and move and, and those types of things effectively. Okay, so basically what Simon's doing is all right. because of the structure gel. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, and, and that's one of the things when she was scanning him, that structure gel is what is fusing his brain chip to that body. That structure gel is mm-hmm. how it makes everything happen. And that is also this structure gel we've seen all over. Um, it's kind of this kind of black iker goo that's that's all over the place. That's really important for later, so I have to make sure I added that. Okay, yeah. It's, it's funny to me because I remember Catherine telling Simon that the WoW is just basically a cancer. It's not, yeah. it's not like, you know, alive. It's not, it doesn't think. But, like, I don't know, man. It definitely seems like the WoW has more understanding of what's going on than Catherine is giving them credit for. Yeah, and if the WoW's job is to preserve life, depends on what its description of life is. And I think what mm-hmm. life is is a really complicated, complex thing. 
Um, there are some people that argue like Google is alive because it's constantly growing. It's it's searching for more information. It's it's constantly taking on more things, and it has like. So if this computer believes that something, this this AI believes something is alive if it's moving, and has you know capabilities to do certain things, then who is it for us and Catherine to say if that's life or not? I guess. Right. Yeah. It's very hard. It's, yeah. It makes me cautious that Catherine's so she just downplays it so much it's, it's weird to me yeah yeah and i think the game as we've kind of seen and i think as i've noticed have you had this conversation if you're starting if you're feeling suspicious of Catherine, that i believe that's intentional i believe mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel this way you're supposed to be kind of confused and i think simon is also confused as why things feel really hard for him and they feel a little bit easier for her Right, yeah. I mean, he's doing most of the stuff. Yeah, certainly he <laughs> is. She's kind of just in the in the Omni tools, chilling. Right. <laughs> Will it be like before? Close my eyes and open, open them up, up again. again. All right, let's do it. Thank, Thank you, Simon. Simon. Go, Go sit in the pilot seat in the next room. You need to boot it up. Simon walks into the next room where he sees a chair connected to the wall by wires. He aligns the wavelengths and climbs in the seat. Just like having your picture taken but with the most expensive camera in the world. You know, Indians thought photos would steal your souls. In this case, they'd be right. Simon's vision fades, blurs, and now readjusts, but from a different perspective. Copy completed. Simon inspects his suit, the feeling of the new body. He hears a familiar voice. It's his voice. There must be something wrong. Can you run a diagnosis or something? Catherine? The voice is cut off. What was that? No, I I just... Why was it still talking? It's the same, like before. Why is he still talking? That's how it works, you know that. Simon exits the chamber, rushes into the room where he sat in the pilot seat. His old body, the old version of himself, sitting there. What do you mean? You know it's not magic. You were copied. The sleeping Simon in the seat was copied, just like you're here. Just like the Simon who lived in Toronto. God damn it, Kath. Two Simons? There can't be two Simons. What did you think think would happen? happen? That you were going to take my mind and and, and put it in the other body, like a brain transplant. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. It it wouldn't work work that way. way. You realize how messed up this is? Please, Please, I didn't didn't mean to upset upset you. How did you expect me to react to this shit? Please, stop. You're fucking disgusting. What's going to happen to him? He'll sleep for a while, a few days. And then what? Wake up in this fucking nightmare again, all alone? So cruel. Well, what What do you want me to do with him? Make friends? Let him know we have to leave him behind when we go into the abyss? What if... What if he didn't need to wake up? You do that? I don't know. Maybe. There. I set it up for you. Hit the switch if you want to drain his battery. He'll die within a minute. I'd rather not stay plugged in any longer. Um, so in this moment, we're given a choice. And I think this kind of fully encapsulates, at least for me, while I was writing this, I had chills. Because, like... You're choosing to kill this other version of you or allow it to wake up here alone, confused, not understanding what happened. Because like Catherine said, this isn't a transfer. It's a copy. Oh, man, it makes you feel sick. Right? Ugh, I don't like this. It's really, yeah, it's really (laughs) uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable that there are now two complete versions of this person. Oh, God. So, I don't know yeah. what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's worse, leaving 
a copy of myself to just be confused and alone in this strange, horrible place or to just let it not have to experience that. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about with those individuals who are transferring their brain, right? They were killing themselves. Mm -hmm. So now now here's this moment where Simon has to choose. Does he kill this version of himself knowing it's going to wake up to just this lonely horror trapped in this place with no way to get out? Or does he not allow it to wake up and he just continues as the only consciousness there is? Do you have an answer to that? Do you know what you I would do? I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I think Simon is the only one who can truly make that decision, I guess, in a way, because right. he is he's making that choice for himself, a version of himself. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think I might, knowing that there's nothing... Again, it goes back to what is life. Is this is this is this Simon who wakes mm-hmm. up? Will he have a life that's it, it feels so gross to say, but that's worth continuing mm-hmm. because he's just going to be trapped here alone in this place, having all the same information you've had up to this point. Right. Catherine won't be with him because Catherine's going with you, uh. but just trapped here in this place. I don't know if that's a life. If it was me, I I wouldn't want to wake up in that situation. I think I would rather just kind of, you know, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? If I had the, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard. It's a really hard and complicated situation, and it feels really gross. It feels like it. It gives me goosebumps to think about it. Yeah, it's super. Yeah, it's super gross. It's a. That's a really hard choice to make. I think so. Like you said, I think for Simon, this would be something that only Simon could decide. And as the player, it's hard because like you, you're playing mm-hmm. as Simon, but you're not Simon. You haven't gone through Simon's life to kind of know what he would actually yeah. do in that situation. I think if it was me, if I had woken up as Simon being Eric, you know, and I'd gone through all this as Eric and gotten to this point, I don't think I could yeah. leave myself behind to just, I really don't, I think I would, I think knowing myself, I would rather have, I'd rather would end at that point yeah. as horrible as that sounds. And, and then let myself suffer. I feel like I feel like I'd be doing a disservice by letting leave myself to just rot in this place. I don't yeah. think I could do it yeah. to myself. I, but then you know when you think about the the what that actually means, mm-hmm. it's it's horrifying. You know, it's it, yeah. Oh, I feel. Oh, is there any story goes <laughs> yeah, left. It's, it's <laughs> Welcome to spooky Halloween, everyone. Welcome Have to some spooky. existential <laughs> dread at what it you means to be yet? alive. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that there's a lot of moments like this are why I don't feel as and, and again, storygoers, if you disagree, let me know. I don't feel as bad about removing those tense chase moments because those are in this game and they're they're scary and they're terrifying and they're really good. But this to me feels like what makes this game scary. These choices, these the things you have to think right. about. A type of horror that when you turn the game off and you walk away, it sticks with you. You're still thinking about this thing. You're still thinking about, like, what does this even mean? What could I do in this situation? And that, to me, is a whole different kind of scary that I'm much more interested in and uh, is, is, I think, different and interesting. That I think part of what makes me really enjoy this game. Yeah. Video games do a great job at at kind of forcing players to make tough decisions. And and I, I mean, I could be wrong if I think about it longer, but off the top of my head, I feel like this is probably the hardest mm-hmm. choice I would ever have to make yeah. in a video yeah. game in this yeah. well, situation. Well, buckle up, because yeah. there's more coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this, again, this, I think, is what, what captures the horror of this game for me, because it's just gross. Yeah. 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 
Simon stands before the body. Unable to make the choice, he grabs Catherine and heads for the door. As he walks out, he turns. He looks at the seat where the other version of himself sits. What hope does he have? Then quickly heads over to the console, turns it off. Better to die than wake up here alone. Simon heads to the airlock and into the climber. He climbs in, plugs the Omnitool, and Catherine's voice tersely says, Are we, Are we done, done here? here? Activate Act the climber, please. Sure thing, Simon responds as he sits down. The screen flickers to life, a display showing the ocean zones as the climber starts its descent. It's dumb luck, right? That I woke up in the right body? He's a redundant copy. He'll never experience my journey, the full journey. He wouldn't understand. How could he? But I couldn't do it, and you knew it. You were right to hide him from me. I only wish you'd done a better job. I basically flipped a coin, and if I'd called the wrong side, I'd be rotting away at Omicron. There's no way to know, right? You didn't hit the make sure Simon wakes up in the right body switch, did you? Not that you'd know. He'd still claim to be the right Simon. Christ, this is awful. We did an awful thing. And you wouldn't mind. Why would you? How could you know that it's not me? That, that the me I am is the same I've always been. Please, say something. I don't want to think. Please. Catherine tries to comfort Simon by telling him a story from her childhood. Tells him that when this is over and they're in the ark, he will at least have her. But she's cut off. The power on the climber is cut. The seat guard disengages. Simon stands, walks around the climber, confused. He climbs onto the roof in an attempt to turn the power back on, staring out into the crushing abyss. Bioluminescent creatures rise from the abyss as he stands on the roof of the climber, trying to find a way to restart it. He finds a switch, restarts the climber, and makes his way back inside. They continue their descent in silence. Simon's vision flickers under the immense pressure. The elevator again stops. But before he can exit the seat, a humanoid creature crawls in from the roof, covered with flickering lights. It approaches and stands on two feet. Simon, frozen in the seat, watches in horror as the creature speaks. You did it! You did it! I will make preparations. Simon's vision returns. The climber continues to lower. Catherine explains the creature looked like a man, climbed into the cage, and knocked Simon out. He then leaped to the abyss below. She's glad you're alive. He thought for sure the creature would kill you. They reach the bottom, the abyss. Simon exits the climber and makes his way towards Tau, the location of the Ark. Like before, Simon walks on the ocean floor, but now the only light is a series of lamps along the path. The crushing pressure is a constant and imposing weight. It's interesting. I think now we do see more of Catherine's mm-hmm. human side. Like, I feel like she was this kind of very cold-hearted mm-hmm. like AI, kind of. You know, I knew she was a human, but it sounds like she had a really hard time and was trying her best to make sure Simon didn't realize that he had been copied yeah. rather than transferred. Um, so now I feel like I mm-hmm. trust Catherine a little more, but I'm still a little wary of her. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I think that is exactly what it is trying to do. It's trying to humanize Catherine now after this experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think part of what it does so well is we as the players, just like Simon, don't understand what's happening. We are in the dark, just like Simon. So then we are disgusted and terrified what's going on, just like he is. And I think they did a really good job of making that parallel. And and Catherine trying to protect us certainly humanizes her in some way. But yeah, Yeah. there's there's still a lot you don't know. Right, yeah. I worry at what's going to happen in the future with this idea. Yeah. 
Following the lights, Simon finds Tao. Expecting it to be abandoned, he heads inside in search of the Ark. He finds more bodies within the small compound. He makes his way to the location of the Ark, but he's not alone. As he enters the infirmary, a woman sits in a chair. Her weak, pale body, unable to move, kept alive by life support. The faint beep is a clear sign of her life. Sitting next to her is the Ark. Simon approaches in awe. Simon meets Sarah Lidwell, the last living human alive on Earth. She's in shock at the state of Pathos too, and the rest of the complex. She explains to Simon that the mission was to launch the Ark, but she's been holding on to it since they brought it back. She tells Simon she doesn't have much time left, or the strength to stop him. If he's willing to take the Ark, all she asks in return is to be euthanized. Simon looks at this frail woman in shock. A disabled button appears on the life support machine next to her. Simon, unable to end the last human life on the planet, grabs the Ark off the table. As he makes his way out, one final plea. Please, don't leave me like this. Simon stops at the door. He turns and walks up to the machine. Please, she whispers again. Simon turns off the machine. Will you stay with me, please? It won't be long now. Please just stay. Simon stays as her breathing slows. Don't Don't let let them them die, die, okay? Send Send them out there, to the stars. Sarah's body lies still. The machine next to her stops beeping. Simon exits the chamber, arc in hand, and makes his way towards Phi to launch the arc. Another choice. Uh, This time I prompted afterwards. But yeah, so here again is another choice. Simon finds the last human alive. She's Mm -hmm. strapped to a table, being kept alive by life support. And she's begging for him to kill her. Uh, Is it weird? Is this bad that I feel like this choice was easier than our copy choice? No, I, I don't think that's weird. I think that just shows, for me anyway, how messy that choice is and how this choice at least in some way feels a little bit more relatable yeah Um, somebody who's trapped in a place and doesn't have anything going for them but again there's a parallel right there's a parallel between simon who is there and her Mm -hmm. Um, right they're both trapped they both are are kind of stuck in this place and don't have like according to i think for us it's easier for us to say or us to make the assumption that her life there isn't anything else for her to do she's she has to be kept alive by these machines and if it wasn't for these machines she would die versus simon us the other version of us would live forever but just trapped in this place yeah which is worse (laughs) you know like yeah yeah it's awful yeah it's one thing if this person was the last human alive um and they didn't want to die and simon had to make a choice but it's the fact that they didn't want to live this life anymore Mm -hmm. and they're they're kind of wanting this upon themselves and, you know, and so that, that decision probably weighs heavily on Simon, but I think all in all, he did the right thing because, you know, to leave someone in this situation as frail as, as they are, and I don't know, it had to be like a, a death sentence, but just a really long, prolonged yeah. one rather than a quick one. Yeah. And I think these two are great parallels. I also think, again, it's asking like, here's the last living human, but are they, who's more alive? Simon a chip jammed into a dead body or this woman stuck to this chair. And the, like, these are the thing again, it's like challenging us to think about. Yeah. I don't know. Cause then Simon has to make the real, the real choice that involves human life in this decision. Kind mm-hmm. of, you know, even though, yeah, even though this person wants to die, Simon has to make the choice whether euthanization is a, a good idea or not. And which is right. a hard sentence to say out loud, but, um, 
Yeah. Wow. I don't know. This Ugh. is a really messed up game. <laughs> Shame it's a on really you, messed up game. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's really messed up. It's really it's really hard decisions that it's forcing us to make. And again, there's it's this it's more of this psychological horror, or it's forcing us to think about things that we do not want to think about and do not want to have to go up against. Yeah. That feels really different than other types. Um, but oh yeah 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 pretty gross. <laughs> Real gross. <laughs> Simon loads the Ark on a tram designed to take it to Phi and to the Omega Space Gun. It speeds through the tunnel as Simon chases after it, staying as close as he can. When he comes to a collapsed part of the tunnel, the Ark scoots through, but Simon must find another way. He hears the voice again, and a strange figure from the climber appears. This is where it all went wrong, Simon. Sight. Alpha. Simon's vision flickers and he vanishes. He makes his way deeper, following the tunnel. The walls covered with structure gel. Deeper and deeper, trying to find his way to Phi. We're so close, the voice calls out. Just tell me what you want. I need you to stop. The wow. What? How? The enslaved protein sloshing around in your suit is the noose with which the wow will hang itself. What are you talking about? As soon as I came to Omicron, I tried to tell them to make the toxin that would make the well wither, but they didn't understand. They put it inside a cabinet. It was so infuriating. They needed to take it to Alpha, the fountainhead of misery we created. And then the girl, she figured it out. She was going to take care of it. But the well shrieked, and they all died. But you, you, you took the gel from the cabinet and made yourself into a venomous snake. Now, strike at the heart. The voice fades as Simon finds himself deep within Site Alpha, the heart of the WoW, the epicenter of the structure gel, the thing keeping all the machines and creatures alive on the station. Feed it, Simon. Push your arm into the heart. Simon slowly approaches, the voice commanding him to kill the WoW. Simon hesitates for a moment, then sticks his hand inside. The WoW feeds on Simon, tearing and pulling his arm. When he pulls his arm free, all that's left is an unrecognizable stump of gore. Simon falls to the ground. The figure stands before him. You did good, Simon, but you cannot leave. The only way to make sure the WoW stays dead is to destroy the only one who's immune to the new pattern. Don't worry. I will make it quick. The monstrous figure approaches Simon. The room shakes as a massive, structure-gel-coated creature bursts through the floor, swallowing the figure whole. The wow shrieks as the monstrosity bursts through the wall again, hunting for whatever has harmed it. Simon quickly rushes past, making his way through the airlock and into a small tunnel. The creature shrieks as it chases Simon, breaking through the tunnel. Simon's path to Phi is clear, but he must make it past the creature. He runs as fast as he can, moving from cover to cover when possible. The creature dives towards him. His vision fades as the mass shrieks and charges. The airlock, now in the distance... Simon runs as fast as he can. The door slides open as Simon makes his way inside, the creature slamming on the large metal door that shuts behind him. He's made it to Phi, the last destination. What are your thoughts on this section? I don't understand why Simon went along with this. Yeah. Like, this seems really... If I saw a really creepy dude telling me to put my arms into the well, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I know I'm not technically, like, you know, this body isn't really mine, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, and then when you say that he pulls his arm out and it's just like the stump of gore, is it like, is it the, the human body inside of the suit? 
Yeah, so the the hand of the suit and the human body inside of the suit, like the hand of the suit is gone. Like it's it's okay. it's it, and there's like a bone stick. It's real gross. Um, oh. Yeah, it basically like eats your hand. Wow. Okay. Huh. So um, is that? Um, are we gonna see the implications of that later on in the story? Yes and no. Okay. Okay. If that makes Sorry, sense. Sorry, I don't know why I'm asking that. I should no, it's okay. There are there are implications <laughs> of it as far as like now you only have one hand. I will say it doesn't necessarily hinder you. I I think along with all the other choices we make, none of the choices affect your game as far as making the gameplay different. Mm-hmm. They really only affect your brain and how you have to think about your choices. If that makes okay. sense. I think so. Yeah. And I will <laughs> Yeah, I will say you have a choice to make here. You can either put your hand in and kill the wow or you can like walk away. And no matter what you do, this creature that's basically a a giant squid that's been like wow-ized burst through the burst through the wall and chases Simon. Oh, it's a squid? Yeah, it's a giant squid that's been like morphed and changed by the wow. The structure gel has like changed its form in, in, in a really creepy way. If you like read through the the um the computer logs, it like describes all the terrifying creatures the wow has created in the abyss. It's real spooky. That is terrifying. Yeah. I mean octopi alone are pretty <laughs> terrifying. I can't imagine them chasing me. Is, yeah. Uh, that is pretty messed up. I'd yeah, kill the wow for that probably. I'd kill the wow if there's ever monster chasing me like that. Yeah, Screw and I you, think... wow. <laughs> and again, the, because we're only focusing on the main story beats, at least for me, I, in my playthrough and in the playthrough I watched as well, um, I had more context because I read the audio logs and I, or I read the, the emails and the audio logs, so I had more context. But if you're just playing through the story, like it said, this is all you get. You, you mm-hmm. see this, this strange figure, it tells you to destroy the WoW, and you have a choice. Now, what I think is really interesting is we've had three choices in the row where we can choose to kill or let something be alive. Right. Yourself, the last human alive, and the wow. What you've been told is a cancer, but it's the only thing keeping the memories of all... It's keeping all the bad bodies and memories of all these things that you faced alive. Oh, and there's so... And there's such different context, too. It's kind of like one's good... One's a good choice and one's a bad choice. Right. You know, like, one is, like, ending suffering over allowing suffering and one is it's just you know the the killing of one and the killing of another they're just two very different yeah situations so like i wouldn't even say that one is good and one is bad it's very easy to know which is which which is really cool because usually in like usually in games like this you know what is the right choice and you know what is the wrong choice but i would struggle to guess which one is which in this game because mm-hmm. it's just so real it's it's very different it's not like um it's not like infamous, right? Like where you're, you know, if you, you can, if you, if you have the option to save somebody or not save somebody, it's the good or bad choice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing I really want to know is when Simon put his hand in, did he go like, talk to the hand? <laughs> and like he put his hand in the, in the wow and the wow's like, no. Like, <laughs> I wish that would have made this uh, much more, uh, much lighter and less like terrifying and spooky yeah. and dreadful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I think maybe this game could have used more funny jokes, because um, it's just real well, heavy. <laughs> uh, is it Frictional Games? Is that right? Frictional Games, yeah. Frictional Games, you know, you know what it's hard to. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. call Gabe. He can, he'll, yeah. he... <laughs> he'll vouch for us. He'll vouch for us. Will we ever find out who that person was? Yes. In the story? We, in, the story? In, in the context of the story, no. In, in, okay. in the audio logs and descriptions and as you like explore people's rooms, 
this was basically the scientist who created the wow and was killed by the wow and he was killed by the wow trying to bring the thing that would kill the wow up to the surface to tell them that the wow's lost its mind Mm -hmm. okay but the wow stopped him but the wow one of the things that again i left out um but is really interesting in the game if you walk up to a dead body you can hear its last moments the company has installed black boxes in everyone's brains so it records everything that's constantly happening for medical reasons you can go up to people and like read their last thoughts and read and you get a lot of like lore and background information on that nothing like a lot of stuff that again fills in these small spaces but is all optional you don't have to do any of these things interesting Um, yeah so basically what the wow did was overloaded everyone's black box and blew up their heads nice that's a way to do it so again, so uh, if if you explore these things and you read these things, you learn more of what the WoW is doing. It's both keeping these things alive, but also just murdering and killing, right? Because yeah. it, the WoW, just like Simon, is making choices what is life that's valuable mm-hmm. and what is not, right? So Simon is having to choose, is this other version of myself worthy of life? Is the last human on life support worthy of life? Is the WoW worthy of life? In the same way the WoW had to make those choices, and... We as players are making those choices in a really different, interesting way that it's telling us to think about what does it mean to be alive in a really spooky place. Very creepy. Yeah. Ugh. So many but choices. Yeah. All gross and gray choices. Yeah. <laughs> One bloody thumb way up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Once in Phi, Simon brings Catherine back to life. Catherine, horrified by his arm, asks what happened. Simon doesn't answer, says it's a long story, and they press on. Simon leaves Catherine plugged in as he, she takes control of Phi. She guides Simon through tracking down the Ark that arrived on the tram, loading it into a giant bullet and arming the Omega space gun. Simon learned the original Ark team abandoned the launch. Some of the members didn't want to risk the lives of those inside in case something went wrong. During a disagreement, Catherine, the original Catherine, was killed, struck in the head. After her death, the team took the Ark back to Tau. They load the Ark into the bullet and prepare it for launch. Someone climbs to the top of the gun. Simon can use the pilot seat, similar to an Omicron, during the transfer of his and Catherine's consciousness, and load the space gun. Once in the pilot seat, Simon plugs Catherine in, and she walks him through loading the Ark. Once finished, Catherine tells Simon that as soon as he flips the switch, the launch will begin, and their minds will upload. Simon flips the switch to start the launch. A 30-second countdown appears on the screen as a familiar headset lowers in front of Simon's face to take his scan. 20 seconds, a voice announces. On the screen, he sees two bars that display the progress of the scan. Catherine's bar quickly starts as her consciousness is scanned and broadcast to the arc. Simon's bar doesn't move. What's the matter with the upload? Just give it a second. 10 seconds. Catherine's bar finishes. Simon has just started to move. 5 seconds. Simon's bar not yet at half. 2 Simon's bar jumps to finish as the screen goes white. Simon celebrates as his vision returns. He watches as the arc is launched. The screen in front of him shows both his and Catherine's scans were complete. Done. They had done it. The headset is removed from Simon's face, still sitting in the pilot seat. The chamber goes dark as he realizes where he is, still in Pathos 2. A system check monitor appears, confirming their success. Everything went off perfectly. The arc made it. Catherine! Catherine! I'm here. What the hell happened? What went wrong? Nothing. Nothing. There aren't there, there among the stars. We're here. 
No, we're getting on the Ark. I saw it. It finished loading before the launch. Yeah, I saw. Then why are we still here? Simon, you know why we're here. You were copied to the Ark. You just didn't carry over. You lost the coin toss. We both did. Just like Simon and Omicron. Just like the man who died in Toronto a hundred years ago. Simon grows angrier and angrier as Catherine speaks. This is bullshit! He lashes out, bashing the console. It goes dark. They launch the Ark into space, but Simon is still there. Now alone. Trapped at the bottom of the ocean. And on the pathos, too. That's the end. That's it. Ugh. So do, do we see anything from the Ark? So after the credits roll, the fairly long credits that just let you sit in this like tensioned, gross feeling that you were successful, but you're still trapped. You see the arc satellite in space floating. It's, it's lights out and like lets you know the arc successfully made it. Then the screen fades to black and it goes light again. And now you're waking up inside the arc and you can walk around and you're in this like beautiful lush environment, this beautiful cave. You go and you meet Catherine. You see this massive city in the distance. You run up to meet her. Then the game again ends. Ugh. So like I said, there's a happy ending and then there's also this like terrifying terrible ending. oh no but what what i think is so incredible is how well it was foreshadowed oh yeah definitely you yeah like you knew exactly what was going to happen but simon didn't and and i will say this this happens what that that moment with simon is like three hours before this so there's there's a bigger time gap than that there was for mm-hmm. us so when i was first playing through this I totally had forgotten that okay. that happened. And I was like, no, th- what do you mean? Like, just like Simon, I it, it, I didn't connect. And maybe that's also just because I wasn't paying close <laughs> attention. It's like, good, on my first on my first go through. But yeah, so just like I've said in the past, that that is the horror of this, right? Simon made it. He did everything he had to do, but there's still another version of him that's trapped. And in his anger, he destroyed the console where Catherine was. So he doesn't even have her. Uh, is she, like, dead? Or is just... Yeah, so oh, no. the, with the launching of the gun and him attacking the console in his anger, it goes dark oh, and he's alone. God. Oh my god, that's messed up. That sucks. Yeah, and like it's it's yeah. it, almost sadly ironic because he saved his first AI self by mm-hmm. killing him. You know, so he didn't have to suffer that fate, mm-hmm. and now he's stuck in that fate. And like, yeah. I think when I think of this game, I think melancholy is the perfect word to describe it. I feel so happy for Simon yeah. for making it, and, and Catherine for making it to the Ark, and then I feel so yeah. sad for Simon on Pathos too. Like that, just because oh, what do you do? And he's a he's basically yeah. immortal, immortal, trapped at the bottom of the ocean. He killed the Wow, so there's nothing else alive. The station is just gonna fall apart without the Wow. Oh no! What happens if you don't kill the Wow? Uh, I'm assuming if you don't kill the WoW, everything is still alive and doing its thing. Um, there's not any kind of... It doesn't follow up on mm-hmm. that. I just... It, you know what I mean? That would be the assumption. But again, then there's these like WoW monsters still move, making their way around. Right. Is everything still kind of like lit up or does it all just go dark? Everything goes dark. Oh, no. Like the, the, so everything just... When, when this gun finishes firing, you're just sitting in pitch blackness. You see a, a, brief, a faint outline of the giant gun that you launched and then the the console in front of you that just is is dark and there's like a crack in the omni tool oh my god i feel just complete dread thinking about that like what a sad end i feel so sad for him then but like i don't know part of me feels like when the transfer happened 
my first question would have been, um, okay, is this what's going to happen with the arc? <laughs> <laughs> like, am I right. possibly going to be right. left behind? Like, is then, is then knowing that information, Simon is choosing to, so Simon is allowing himself to be left behind, quote unquote, left behind, in order to better himself in the arc. He's like hurting himself to better himself in a really weird way. Uh, yeah, I think you could argue that similar to the conversation we had of how our brain blocks things out so that we function, mm-hmm. you could make the argument that part of Simon knew that this was going to happen, but he just refused to let it in. Because how do you move forward knowing that after you do this, you're trapped down there alone, no matter what? Yeah, and, and like, it's not even a coin toss. It doesn't make it doesn't even make any sense. No, that's not. Uh, you're right. That's a bad. That's yeah. a bad analogy. Like I feel like you think Catherine used that analogy to trick him into thinking that he had some kind of chance here. Yeah, I think she's continuing because I think she knows, and he even said that if he knew exactly what was going to happen and remembered this, he wouldn't do it. He, he it would be hard to go. He might do it, but it'd be much harder to go through. But yeah, he she just used the same language he did of the coin toss. I think she understands that there was never a coin toss. Both things are going to happen. Just one of you is going to be there and one of you is going to be here and you're both going to exist. Was she upset at all? Is Catherine has any like kind of hint of being upset being left behind? There, there was certainly there's some melancholy in how she's speaking. You can certainly tell. But at the same time, like she always knew this was mm-hmm. going to happen. She knew the entire time that a version of herself was going to be left behind. So I think that's for me, that's my justification. Um, and again, storygoers, if you disagree, I'd like to hear what you think as well, Eric. That's kind of a justification for why she acts kind of as strange as she yeah. does and why she acts as disconnected as she does because ultimately it doesn't matter because as long as she can get the arc up there, at least they have a chance. And, and she does, I mean, she, I think you said made it, right? Or she's a part of the team that yeah. made the arc. So she, ha- or she has some kind of desire to see it fulfill. Yeah, the arc was her project. Mm -hmm. Okay. The arc was, she scanned everyone's brains. She was the brain behind it. So she knew everything that went into it. Did she tell Simon that? Did she tell him that? Yep. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's right. I was making sure. But yeah, so it makes sense that why she was so desperate to make this happen. But she needed Simon as almost like a scapegoat. Yeah. I almost feel like Catherine and and her approach to do the right thing and what she saw as saving humanity. I almost feel like Catherine is just antagonist in this for, for Simon himself. Yeah. She's doing the same thing that Simon and the Wow did, right? She's yeah. weighing life. Yep. She's weighing the life of... And the other Simon who made it is there with Catherine and Happy, right? And oh, they get to yeah. continue that life together. He doesn't know, because that Simon didn't get left behind. He, In his mind, it worked exactly how it was supposed he to. Why no would he idea. question it? Right. But then, I don't know. I just feel like Simon is really ignorant, if that's what he believes. Yeah. I think because Simon is from 2005 or whatever... He's going to be ignorant because he doesn't know how these things work. And I think mm-hmm. he also, um, again, his brain isn't going to let this information in because how do you move forward with that? Right. But yeah. again, please, it's it's up to, I think it's up to interpretation. I think uh, what I like about this game, what I like about so many of the games that we talk about is these gray areas, there's so much up to interpretation and there's so much there that there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the choices that you made, there's a for sure right or wrong answer. They're all kind of gross and gray. Yeah. Wow, that so this this is the kind of ending of a game, a video game that sticks with me. Yeah, like spoilers. Make sure you listen to our Last of Us episode or play the game, so you know we're talking about. So if you haven't played it and you don't know the ending of the first Last of Us, then don't listen to this part. Um, well, actually, I probably won't even say anything. Anyway, regardless, I feel like the end of the Last of Us 
was an ending that did not make me keep thinking about it. It was kind of just over. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a great game, don't get me wrong, but the ending was very, like, I, for me, lacking. So I, I, it, wasn't a, uh, it wasn't an ending that really stuck with me. But I feel like this game, I'm going to get off here when we're done recording, and I'm just going to keep thinking about this. I, yeah. And just keep thinking. I'll probably watch it on YouTube, and I'll probably keep thinking about it. And, like, because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like one of those things. Like, I just, I, I picture just Simon sitting at the bottom of the ocean, having done everything he did and he is both the winner and the victim yeah. and i just feel so i just feel so bad for simon and mm-hmm. i don't know i just that just sucks all right what would you what would you do if you ryan if you were stuck at the bottom of the ocean after all that and you were simon uh oh, i i mean honestly i would probably find a way to like probably find a way to end it because yeah. like i which is terrible and i'm not a person i think like having suicidal thoughts is 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 something that is a, a mental health mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. that there are people who need support to work through that. Um, and I, I don't think there's any real justification for that in, in the real world because I think there are always options and there's always people who care about you and things you can do. But it, in this situation, there is no one else. Right, exactly. Yeah. No one alive. And he's just stuck You're in the this last. Thing. But at the same time, in this moment, it's the last physical body with a brain attached to it alive. And probably the whole world. In the whole entire world. Oh, man. Oof. I just... Ugh. And you also were the one who killed the last human that wasn't the last brain in the body, right? So it's just this, like, dread on dread on dread that's so gross and crushing. And, and, and yeah, it's a lot. But then you think of the arc and you think of yeah. Simon and Catherine together and happy. And it just feels mm-hmm. so, like, I can't even say that it was worth it. But it mm-hmm. feels worth it. It's in some weird, horrible way. I don't like <laughs> yeah. saying it, but it just feels. Yeah. You see how happy they. It sounds like they, you feel like you see how happy they yep. are, and like mm-hmm. it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. You're on this like perfect world with this perfect temperature at all times, with a bunch of other people who've built this perfect society where you don't need to eat or drink, but you can do those things, and it's just like this perfect simulation, this perfect like totally immersive video game where you can do anything you want and you can keep working and talking and have relationships and have people and it's all simulated but at the same time there's another version of you trapped somewhere and again simon eventually is going to realize that but what do you even what's your connection to that yeah are you upset about that yeah it's just a lot i think that's another one of those moments again where you just have to block it out to keep going as horrible as it is to to do that to yourself you know Mm -hmm. that's that that says a lot it's just yeah and i think it's really important too we talked a lot about death and harming oneself and things like that so it's always important to know that if anyone out there is listening and you have any thoughts or, or feelings of harming yourself or you know someone that might uh do not hesitate to call the 1-800 or the hotline the suicide prevention hotline at uh 1-800-273-8255 people care about you people love you get help if you need it so yeah that's really important thank you Aaron. yeah no that's... worries i think this is a really heavy start to our halloween going forward for to our spooky month going forward it's going to be scary i don't think i who knows i think the aim is for not to be as much dread i think it's going to be more kind of classic okay well we'll see uh, see about that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll see about that uh but uh ryan overall what do you think about the game soma it's i there are things that i think uh, i I don't like scary games. I do not like the horror genre that much because I'm a big chicken. This <laughs> game, I would push through because the the thought experience of it, 
the the way it makes you think is so different than anything I've ever experienced and the way it makes you think about life and what that means and how you engage with the world. Some of the story bits, I think like the whole thing with the wow is a little bit choppy and doesn't quite fit Mm -hmm. with everything. I think they just had to kind of have the wow be, I think the the game would have been just fine if you never engaged with the wow. It was just this evil force in the world. Yeah. Um, but I really, I loved this game. I love this story. And as, as dark and terrible and as much dread as it fills me with, I, I love the experience of thinking about these things in the same way that like you like engaging with scary things because it, it gets your heart going and it gives you goosebumps and it makes you think about things that are scary and terrible, which is what I want to sometimes do on October. <laughs> <laughs> Just October, though. <laughs> Just October. November 1st, never. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what do you think? What was your... Because, you, again, you, you didn't have anything going into it, yeah. and now you're here at the end. Uh, well, what was that experience like for you? I am pleasantly surprised at how amazing of a story this game is. And I, it, it makes me... So I want to just jump in and buy it and, and, and play. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Actually, I think I might soon because uh, I really don't have anything else to play right now. So uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to playing this game, hopefully in the near future. And it, I, again, I think I'm just going to leave this recording thinking about that ending and thinking about, thinking about poor Simon at the, at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, it just, as, as much as this game left me with a, a large amount of dread and uh, just <laughs> weird feelings, I think that these these moments and and these choices you have to make in the game are more choices that we need in the video game in in video games themselves i think that more of these hard to make choices are are so important as stories of games get better Um, we can't have it the obvious choice and the not obvious choice anymore because it's kind of like you've kind of gotten past that point we don't really need those kinds of choices so much now we need choices that are really hard to make that kind of push the player to do something that possibly they don't really want to do but you know you have one bad choice another bad choice what do you do i think those are the choices that make you that draw you into the story compel you you know it's it's great. I, I like this game a lot. I, I'm rambling and I said the word choices a lot, but overall, I think this game <laughs> it's is very well said. And I'm very, I hope they make a second one. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think right now they're actually just about to release uh, Frictional Games. I hope it's Frictional Games. Um, is about to release yeah. Amnesia, a sequel to Amnesia very in this month oh I think. really yeah yeah um Ooh. but so i'm really hoping that the next game is is something along the lines of soma if not soma then something close to it because i would love 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 to look forward to another story by them like this but yeah that is soma which is awesome ryan great job with the narration you did fantastic <laughs> thanks thanks <laughs> um next week we continue our yeah. spooktacular month with the game Outlast. Oof. 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 Yes. So about Spooky. that whole dread thing. It's, it's, yeah. It's different dread. <laughs> right. It's right. it's less choice dread and more like, wow, I can't believe that guy just had to go through that kind of dread. It's it's <laughs> awful. Yeah. It's awful. I've I so many times I've been writing the script. I I've been watching the playthrough again, uh, and I've been writing the script and I cannot tell you how many times I have woken my animals up from a, a deep sleep from me jumping in fear <laughs> from watching this game um i'm very excited yeah. to cover it i'm very excited oh i can't wait yeah i can't wait it's gonna be great i can't wait um and story goes as always uh if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to see more uh please consider giving us a five-star rating if possible leaving us a good review we would always appreciate it and as always you can tell us your thoughts feelings and perspectives by writing into us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes and you can also find us on twitter and instagram dm us let us know what you think uh, we would love to read your perspectives 
Yeah, and maybe send us some tips to when you're dealing with existential dread. What do you do to make yourself feel better? Because we could all use that. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I, I would love to. I, in, in all honesty, I would love to know what people would, what they would do, or what they have done playing this game. The choices that they made and their thought process yeah. going through it. Um, especially if they contradict our thoughts. I think that's a really yeah. cool conversation. Like this game, that's what's so cool about this game. It brings up such interesting and new conversations to have based on the choices that you make. It's, yeah, very cool. Story goers, we'll see you next week uh, for the next story. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye.